Amen. Our Bible reading this morning is from 2 Kings and the chapter 11. 2 Kings and the chapter 11. This is a portion of scripture that I have been studying in recent days for a series of messages. And it's a chapter that has blessed my heart. And therefore I want to come and to share some of the thoughts with you this morning that it may prove to be a blessing to your heart. We're going to read from 2 Kings chapter 11 and the verse 1 and reading down a section of the chapter together. Let us hear the word of the Lord. And when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the seed royal. But Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Joram, sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him from among the king's sons which were slain, and they hid him, even him and his nurse, in the bedchamber from Athaliah, so that he was not slain. And he was with her hid in the house of the Lord six years. And Athaliah did reign over the land. And the seventh year, Jehoiada sent and fetched the rulers over hundreds with the captains and the guard and brought them to him into the house of the Lord and made a covenant with them and took an oath of them in the house of the Lord and showed them the king's son. And he commanded them, saying, This is the thing that ye shall do. A third part of you that enter in on the Sabbath shall even be keepers of the watch of the king's house, and a third part shall be at the gate of Sur, and a third part at the gate behind the guard, so shall ye keep the watch of the house, that it be not broken down. And two parts of all you that go forth on the Sabbath, even they shall keep the watch of the house of the Lord about the king. And ye shall compass the king round about, every man with his weapons in his hand. And he that cometh within the ranges, let him be slain. And be ye with the king as he goeth out and as he cometh in. And the captains over the hundreds did according to all things that Jehoiada the priest commanded. And they took every man his men that were come in on the Sabbath with them that should go out on the Sabbath and came to Jehoiada the priest. And to the captains over hundreds did the priest give King David spears and shields that were in the temple of the Lord. And the guards stood, every man with his weapons in his hand, round about the king, from the right corner of the temple to the left corner of the temple, along by the altar and the temple. And he brought forth the king's son and put the crown upon him, and gave him the testimony, and they made him king, and anointed him, and they clapped their hands and said, God save the king. 
And when Athaliah heard the noise of the guard and of the people, she came to the people into the temple of the Lord. And when she looked, behold, the king stood by a pillar, as the manner was, and the princes and the trumpeters by the king, and all the people of the land rejoiced and blew with trumpets, and Athaliah rent her clothes and cried, Treason, treason! But Jehoiada the priest commanded the captains of the hundreds, the officers of the host, and said unto them, Have her forth without the ranges, and him that followeth her kill with the sword. For the priest had said, Let her not be slain in the house of the Lord. And they laid hands on her, and she went by the way by the which the horses came into the king's house, and there was she slain. Amen. We'll end at verse 16. May the Lord add his own blessing to this public reading from his own precious and infallible word. Amen. Let us look together in God's word to Second Kings and the chapter 11. We have read most of the chapter together. And it was good to take time to read God's Word. And we now want to come to meditate upon it. We're drawing your attention today to a woman who's mentioned there in the opening verse of the chapter. In that opening line, we come across a woman by the name of Athaliah. And that's who I want us to consider together this morning. A wicked woman. Let us unite together and ask the Lord for help in the ministry of his word. Our Father in heaven, we do praise thee that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. We thank thee that scripture is written for our admonition. And we ask, O God, as we look into this portion, even here in the Old Testament scriptures, that thou wouldst help us, our Father, to learn from it this day, that the Spirit of the Lord himself would be our teacher and would be our instructor, and thou wouldst reveal, O God, the things of God to us, and that we would see the great truths and principles that are established in God's Word. Father, grant to us, we pray, even that listening ear, defeat the powers of darkness and give that liberty that comes alone with the infilling of thy Spirit and glorify thy name in and through us. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, the Bible gives us many examples of godly women. In fact, Proverbs chapter 31 would set before us the tremendous value of godly women. Proverbs 31 and the verse 10 asks the question, who can find a virtuous woman? And it answers the question, it says, for her price is far above rubies. And so the virtuous woman, the godly woman, her value, her price is far above rubies. And thank God for godly women in every age and in every generation. Godly women of faith are referred to in Hebrews chapter 11. 
There would be two women who are singled out there by name and are mentioned, Sarah, uh, the wife of Abraham, and Rahab. They're there in Hebrews chapter 11, that great chapter of the faithful. And yet there are many other women who are in Hebrews chapter 11 by implication. They are there and referred to even though they are not identified by name. And so thank God for the godly and for the faithful women. But when it comes to the woman before us in this portion of Scripture, in 2 Kings chapter 11, she's not a godly woman. She's not a faithful woman. In fact, the Bible reveals to us that she's the very opposite. If you were to glance over in the Word of God to 2 Chronicles and to the chapter 24, and coming down that chapter to the verse 7, there's something of a description given of this woman, Athaliah. And it says in 2 Chronicles 24 and the verse 7, For the sons of Athaliah, that wicked woman... And in making reference there to the sons of Athaliah, the Word of God puts that description of her, that wicked woman. So that's who we come across in our Bible reading here. And therefore we find with Athaliah and this particular chapter that it is a chapter of the utmost importance in God's Word. Because here we have a chapter that concerns the royal seed. And it is the royal seed, that line from which the Messiah would come forth. It's the line of David. And the Savior, the Messiah, would come forth from the line of David, from the house of David. And Athaliah seeks in this chapter to destroy and to cut off that royal line devil's attempt to thwart the promise of the Messiah from the house and lineage of David. And so as the events of the chapter unfold, we will see the overruling hand of Almighty God. And there's a great overarching truth in this chapter of God's Word, and it reveals to us that the Lord is sovereign and the Lord is in control. At what seems to be the worst of times, a terrible time. Yet the overarching truth is that God is in control. And that his promises will never be broken. And most especially the promise of the Savior, the promise of the Messiah. And so the Lord in his sovereign providence will preserve that royal line. And so I want us to look together at this woman who was at the very center of this chapter, Athaliah, that wicked woman. The first thing we consider together is the influence of Athaliah. And we could think about the influence from her parents. As you come to Athaliah, you may not be too familiar with her as a character in the Bible, but 
We believe you'll have heard of her parents. Her parents were King Ahab and Jezebel. And we learn about Ahab and Jezebel and the sort of individuals that they were in the time of Elijah. And in 1 Kings chapter 16 and the verse 30, it says of King Ahab that he did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. And so whenever Ahab came to the throne of Israel, he exceeded all his predecessors in sin, in evil, and in wickedness. That's Athaliah's father. Their mother was Jezebel. Jezebel, even to this day, that very name, it would speak of that which is sinful. And Jezebel in the Bible was the one who sought to take uh, the life of uh, Elijah, the servant of the Lord. And so here we have her parents, and you can just imagine uh, the influence of those parents upon the young Athaliah. If you are familiar with this character and you've maybe read in God's Word, you would see in 2 Kings the chapter 8 and the verse 26 that she is described at the end of that verse. It says, Athaliah, the daughter of Omri, king of Israel. And so that might seem a contradiction to what I have just said, that King Ahab was her father. And yet there in that verse... 2 Kings 8 and 26, it says very clearly she was the daughter of Omri, the king of Israel. And how can we reconcile that? Well, she was the daughter of Omri, but it was the granddaughter of Omri. And therefore, the term daughter is used quite loosely in that sense. And so while she was his daughter, she was his granddaughter. For we'll see just in a moment that she is mentioned in the word of God as the daughter of Ahab. And so she was the granddaughter of Omri and she was the daughter of Ahab. But can you just imagine the influence that's brought to bear upon the little one that's born into this home? It's a sinful home. It's a home filled with wickedness. There's Athaliah. And the influence that will be brought to bear by wicked parents. But then she was to grow up and get married. If you were to glance across to Second Chronicles and the chapter 21, we've mentioned there made of the man that she married. It was Jehoram, the king of Judah. And in 2 Chronicles 21, the verses 5 and 6, it says, Jehoram was 30 and two years old when he began to reign, and he reigned eight years in Jerusalem, and he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, like as did the house of Ahab. Now listen to these words, for he had the daughter of Ahab to wife. And he wrought that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord. So we think about the influence that Athaliah had from her parents. But what about the influence now that she has upon her husband? And she brings there all the wickedness of uh, that house of Ahab. 
and she marries here Jehoram. And it says that Jehoram walked in the way of the kings of Israel, like as did the house of Ahab, for he had the daughter of Ahab to wife. Seems that she had learned the ways of wickedness. She brought those ways into that marriage. And she was that wicked influence upon her own husband there. She had learned the ways of her father Ahab and her mother Jezebel. And now with the influence upon her husband, she would cause Judah to sin. She would lead them into all kinds of corruption. You know, there's a a quick lesson there for uh, all, but for young people especially who would be coming to that stage where they're thinking about a partner for life and they're thinking about marriage, you can see here how important it is when it comes to choosing that partner in life. They will either be an influence for good and for God upon you, or there'll be an influence for sin and for evil. And so be very careful in choosing that partner in life, that you would not be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever that would draw you away into the ways of the world. And we can see the influence here of this woman, Athaliah, the influence that she received from her parents, the influence that she was upon her husband. But then they have a son. They have a son. And in our Bible reading in Second Kings chapter 11 and the verse 1, her son is mentioned there. And when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, and so this son is called Ahaziah, and the husband Jehoram, he died. He was 40 years of age and he died of an incurable disease. And so his son Ahaziah now comes to the throne. And Ahaziah will sit upon the throne in place of his father. Well, over again in Second Chronicles and in Second Chronicles, here you have the parallel passage to the one that we read together in Second Kings, and it, it fills out for us a little bit more of the detail, and the two passages would complement one another when we compare Scripture with Scripture. But in Second Chronicles 22 here, it makes mention of the reign of her son Ahaziah. Second Chronicles 22 and the verse 3. It says, he also walked in the ways of the house of Ahab, for his mother was his counselor to do wickedly. Wherefore, he did evil in the sight of the Lord, like the house of Ahab, for they were his counselors after the death of his father to his destruction. You see the influence that Athaliah had upon her son Ahaziah, and even when he sat upon the throne, it says that his mother was his counselor to do wickedly. It's hard to believe, but we read it in the Word of God that there's a mother who is teaching and instructing her son in the ways of wickedness. Terrible influence. The end of verse 4 there that we read says they were his counselors after 
the death of his father to his destruction. What a powerful influence she had upon her son. She had learned well from her mother Jezebel how to wield that influence and wield that power, not only over her husband, but now over her son, just a young man of 22 years of age when he came to the throne. But his mother was his counselor to do wickedly. And together they would lead Judah astray into all kinds of religious and moral corruption. Their wickedness would soon be reflected in society. You see the importance there of the home and of the right teaching to the little ones within the home. We would fear today for the influence that children are brought under in some homes. Oh, the influence there of the mother, the influence of the wife. There is that poem that was written by William Ross Wallace about the influence of the mother. And it repeats those lines, the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. And what an influence mothers should seek to be within the home for good and for uh, the glory of God. Makes terribly sad reading that Athaliah was a wicked woman who counseled her son in the ways of wickedness. Then her influence upon the throne. For if you noticed in 2 Kings 11 in her Bible reading, she would take the throne. Whenever her son was killed, and when, in verse 1, and when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the seed royal. And in verse 3, and he was with her hid in the house of the Lord six years, and Athaliah did reign over the land. And so there came that point whenever her son was slain, and she took that opportunity to grab power. And she reigned upon the throne of Judah for some six days, six years, six years. And there's that wickedness that we have noticed there by way of her influence. And it's now in the highest office in the land. Wickedness has risen to the highest office in the land. Athaliah has seized power. She has usurped the throne. And she's now the one who can wield her influence over the whole land there. It's a sad day whenever wickedness reigns in power. It's a sad day whenever evil occupies those offices of power in the highest places in the land. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The influence of wickedness, we see it with Athaliah. But I want you to notice, secondly, the iniquity of Athaliah. 
If you were following there in the first verse of her Bible reading, it tells us something of her iniquity specifically. And this is how she was able to grab the power and to take the throne. The end of verse 1 says that whenever her son Ahaziah died, she arose and destroyed all the seed royal. Now this is depravity beyond belief. Here's this wicked woman and she sees her opportunity to take power and to take control. And so in order to do so, she destroys all the seed royal. That's depravity in its very depths. She killed the royal seed. You know, whenever you think that through, the royal seed who were the children of her son Ahaziah, That means that she was guilty of killing her own grandchildren. Doesn't bear thinking about. That Athaliah killed all the seed royal. In such a situation, whenever her son uh, is dead, you would imagine that she would have stepped forth and those grandchildren would have become all the more precious to her and she would have done her best to look after them and to care for them and there would have been nothing in this world more precious to her. But no, she had them killed. She had them killed. The slaughter of the little ones to serve her own selfish aims and ambitions. It's horrific, the killing of children. That's the extent of her iniquity. And yet, we have to say, sadly, the killing of children still goes on today. The killing of children has been legalized in our land. It's called abortion the slaughter of the little ones. We had the prayer meeting yesterday morning over Zoom to pray against abortion that has been enforced upon our land. And our Government and Morals Committee of Presbytery uh, were giving some figures. And it is said that in the region of 5,000 unborn babies since that legislation was introduced to our land, the killing of children. You see, whenever wickedness gets into power, and whenever a nation departs from the Lord, it declines to the very depths of depravity. And sadly, that's what we're seeing unfolding in our land and in our nation in these days. And you can see the example of it here through this wicked woman, Athaliah. And it's reflected in society today. We don't know the extent or the depth of the knowledge that Athaliah had. We know that she was totally opposed to the Lord and to the worship of Jehovah. Because over in Second Chronicles 24 and the verse 7, and I just read a part of that verse earlier in the message, for the sons of Athaliah, that wicked woman had broken up the house of God and also the dedicated things of the house of the Lord that they bestow upon Balaam. 
They were Balaam worshippers, followed in the footsteps of her parents. And she's opposing the Lord, actually breaking up, ransacking the house of the Lord and taking the things in the house of the Lord that had been dedicated uh, to the Lord and to his service. And they're using them uh, to worship Baal. And so we know that here's a woman who totally rejected the Lord and who opposed the Lord. A woman who was wicked and fueled by greed and by selfishness, who ruled as a tyrant. And had all the little ones of the royal seed put to death. But we know that behind it all was the devil. Behind it all, it was the plot of the devil. And here Athaliah was being used by the devil in an effort to thwart God's promise of the Messiah coming forth from this very royal seed and from this line. And ever since the promise of a Savior had been given in the Garden of Eden for the very first time in Genesis 3 and the verse 15, the devil has ever sought to cut off that line in a bid to destroy that royal line, in a bid to prevent the Messiah from coming forth into this world. But that's a promise, of course, that the Lord will keep. Second Chronicles 21 and the verse 7, it says, Howbeit the Lord would not destroy the house of David because of the covenant that he had made with David, and as he promised to give a light to him and to his sons forever. And so the Lord had promised that that royal line would continue, and when Athaliah had all of the royal seed put to death, it would have seemed outwardly that the devil has got the victory. She has sent forth her her troops there to slaughter the little ones and to cut off the royal line. And it's a plan that has been spawned in hell against Christ. And this woman is doing the work of the devil. But how many carry out the work of the devil without even realizing it? How many carry out the work of the devil even unwittingly? They become the devil's servants. They yield themselves to become servants of sin, instruments of unrighteousness. And it seems today there's no shortage of individuals who are ready to do the devil's work for them. So when we think about Athaliah, we think about her influence and we think about her iniquity. Thirdly, I want you to think about the intervention the intervention against this woman. And looking again at our Bible reading, the end of verse 1 has told us that she arose and destroyed all the seed royal. And verse 2 starts with the but. And that's the but of divine intervention. And it says, But Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Joram, 
sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him from among the king's sons which were slain. And they hid him, even him and his nurse, in the bedchamber from Athaliah, so that he was not slain. Athaliah thought for six years that she had succeeded in destroying the royal line of ascent to the throne. And she would have succeeded if God had not intervened. And God used another woman, Jehoshaphat. And her name is interesting. It means Jehovah has sworn or Jehovah has promised. And we have spoken about the promise of the Lord and the promised Messiah that would come of that royal line. And here's a woman the Lord is going to use to preserve that line. And her name means Jehovah has promised. Jehovah will honor that promise. Here it tells us that Jehoshaphat is the daughter of is the sister of Ahaziah. And so the one that she would steal away in order to protect and to hide was her own nephew. And so here we would find Jehoshaphat comes and she lifts this little boy in order to preserve him from slaughter. And she'll hide this little boy away. He's just one year old. And his name is Joash. The name Joash means given by the Lord. The names are so interesting. Whenever the devil through Athaliah is trying to cut off the royal seed, there's a little one is preserved in order that that seed will continue. And his name means given by the Lord. And he's hidden away there for six years and Jehoshaphat shows a great faith and great courage in the way that she's used by the Lord and the way she serves the Lord. And the seventh year comes. And in the seventh year, Jehoiada the priest in the house of the Lord decides that it's time to reveal the king's son and to show that he is alive and that there is one who has that right to the throne and there is one who will preserve the royal seed. And so it's in the seventh year. And you look there at verse 4 of our Bible reading. And the seventh year Jehoiada sent and fetched the rulers over hundreds with the captains and the guard and brought them to, into him into the house of the Lord and made a covenant with them, and took an oath of them in the house of the Lord, and showed them the king's son. Showed them the king's son. And the point that I make here is that the one that they thought was dead is alive. The king's son. The one that they thought for all this time was dead. No, he is alive. And he showed them the king's son. 
And what a picture there is there in the gospel. It speaks to us of the Lord Jesus Christ. And whenever he was crucified upon that center tree and he shed his precious blood, they thought he was dead. But the one they thought was dead is alive. And he had the victory over the grave. And he has risen triumphantly from the grave and from death. And he is alive forevermore. And so when we think here of Joash and them seeing the king's son, it's seeing the Lord Jesus Christ who is alive forevermore. And when you look here further at this divine intervention, you could come down to verse 12 for the sake of time. And it says, And he brought forth the king's son and put the crown upon him and gave him the testimony. That's the word of the Lord. And they made him king and anointed him. And they clapped their hands and said, God save the king. Such an intervention that the one who has that right to the royal throne is now upon the royal throne. And he has been crowned. He has been crowned king. The one that they thought was dead, but he's alive and he's rightfully been crowned upon the throne. And they say, God save the king. And thank God when we think again of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, he has ascended into heaven and he has been crowned there in heaven. The highest place that heaven affords is his by sovereign right. Thank God the Lord Jesus Christ is in the glory, exalted in heaven. And there is a day coming, a day future, when he has promised to return the second coming of the Savior to this earth in power and in great glory when his feet shall stand again upon this earth. And as the Lord comes to uh, the Mount of Olives, it tells us that every eye shall see him, every knee shall bow to him, every tongue shall confess to him that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The one whom they thought was dead, he's alive, and he's the King of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. Just as we close the inquest of Athaliah, and you could look down to where we finished our Bible reading in verse 16. It says, And they laid hands on her, and she went by the way by the which the horses came into the king's house, and there... Was she slain? She came to a sad end. A wicked woman who came to a very sorry end. One who had opposed the Lord and rejected the Lord and who had followed idolatry. And now we find at the last she's slain and she perishes. That ought to be a warning today to all who are outside of the Savior and who would continue on in that downward track. Oh, be careful. In just a moment of time, you could be taken out into eternity. And you could perish for all eternity in hell. So the great lesson that I learned afresh through this chapter was no matter how dark the day seems, 
God is still in control. No matter how much there seems to be by way of wicked prospering and such a low spiritual ebb, God is still sovereign. And we can hold on to the Lord in those great times of difficulty and we can trust the Lord that he will fulfill his word. And so you make sure today that you're numbered amongst the people of God, of those who have put their faith and trust in the Lord. Our time is gone and we didn't go as far as verse 17, but it is a great verse. And Jehoiada made a covenant between the Lord and the king and the people that they should be the Lord's people, between the king also and the people. There was a people in that day who would be known as the people of the Lord. That's how we want to be known today through our blessed union with our Lord and Savior, that we would be known today as the Lord's people. May the Lord bless these thoughts to each of our hearts. We're going to.